0: Welcome to The Essential Rhythm, science-based natural history and human ecology of the North Atlantic seashore. This is episode 77, Seasons at the Shore. By the time this airs, it will be 2023, a new calendar year. And if you're like me, it feels like just yesterday you were at the store picking out your 2022 calendar. And time has done that weird thing where the days have been full and endless, yet gone in an instant. Here in the temperate latitudes, our year has a cycle to it, a predictable pattern of light and heat that drives the seasonal patterns we organize our lives around. Right now, in the deep dark of winter, many of us are resting and snuggling in. In six months, we'll be staying up late for the long sunsets of midsummer. And just like us, the organisms of the seashore have organized their lives around these patterns too. I'm going to make a bold claim here and say that the basis of all life is food or at least food is one frame we can use to think about seasonal patterns. And the base of the food webs for our intertidal creatures is photosynthesis. And for photosynthesis to happen in the ocean, we need both light and nutrients. The microscopic phytoplankton in the ocean are similar to the plants we see on land in that they can't grow in the dark and require vital minerals and nutrients to thrive. In this dark time of the year, the temperate and high-latitude oceans have plenty of nutrients, but not so much light, which lets us predict that there isn't much photosynthesis going on. And we'd be right. If you were to do a plankton tow right now, you wouldn't get much. The way this plays out at the seashore is quiescence, with a few exceptions. The party at the beach is pretty quiet this time of year. One of my favorite intertidal organisms is Maya arenaria, the soft-shell clam, This humble, and for some tasty, organism spends its time buried in silty or sandy mud, and if all goes well for this creature, it never sees the light of day as an adult. It interacts with the ocean above it by extending its siphons to the surface of the mud, using one siphon to inhale seawater, from which it filters food and absorbs oxygen. Once the water is processed, it is exhaled through the other siphon. And soft-shell clams are a little unusual among clams in that they have their siphons fused together in one structure, informally called the neck. Maya arenaria, like most bivalves, are broadcast spawners, meaning they expel their gametes into the water column and fertilization occurs external to either parent's body. And just like us humans, with our monthly cycles of egg maturation and release, they have a regular pattern of gametogenesis, the development of sperm and eggs, in preparation for spawning. And research shows that my arenaria are coming into the period of the very earliest beginnings of gametogenesis, a process that gains a lot more steam later in winter into early spring. Right now, perhaps the tiniest little stirrings are beginning in the gonads of these animals, as they wait in near-metabolic stasis in the cold of a January mudflat. Just like us, the seeds of the coming year are just beginning to stir though it may be many months before those seeds burst forth, and we see what results. There's a close link between water temperature and gonad development and subsequent spawning. People raising clams in hatcheries for commercial production or research have long known that they can induce spawning in clams with fully developed gonads using water temperature cues. But some research has shown Maya arenaria are also among the seashore organisms that utilize quote, income breeding, spawning during times of optimal food. Larval clams swim and feed in the water column before settling on the bottom, and do best when there's lots of plankton around to eat. What this could mean is that the temperature of the water is, or at least always has been, a reliable enough predictor of food availability. Of course, with climate change, all bets are off, and time will tell if warming water induces clams to spawn before there's enough light to fuel the phytoplankton the larvae need to survive. It confuses and unsettles me when I expect it to be cold and dark in January, nurturing my hunker-down instinct, and instead it's warm and dark. During those times, I don't quite know what to do. Luckily, my trigger to purchase a new calendar is not cued to water temperature, day length, or nutrient availability, and I'll be attending to that task shortly. This has been episode 77 of The Essential Rhythm, written and produced by me, Sarah O'Malley. The show is produced on Wabanaki land. Did you know you can find this show as a podcast? Go to weru.org to learn more. The theme music is light streamed by the artist at Hartha, used by permission through Creative Commons. Thanks for listening, and join us next week.